person might not jump to the top of your list of job titles that have been affected by COVID-19. But there has been a great number of layoffs in the industry, and those still working have been put in a really tough spot. It's not much, but I've responded in two ways. One is starting a job board for remote tech sales jobs with my friend Alvin that you can check out at remotedials.co. The second is recording this depth and breadth episode. Today on DMB, we have a good friend of mine and even better salesman, Jeff Bielman. I wanted to have Jeff on to talk about all things pandemic selling. I'm talking messaging, prospecting, tips or video, and leading with empathy. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jeff Bielman as much as I did. Oh, I think we're already live. We're already good to go. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's already happening. It's already happening, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Video is the new handshake. What does that what does that quote mean to you, man? Yeah, so that I saw Morgan Ingram post that a while ago. He's a he's a sales influencer. I don't know if you've seen him around. Uh, I have. I have. John Barrows and such. Yeah. Yep, Yep. Well, no, that's just him saying probably what he was thinking or saw someone else think out loud. I'm not sure, really, but the guy's awesome. I mean, right now, I think that encapsulates it all. We're talking about selling into a pandemic. What else do we have and what are we going to have when we go back? Who's yeah. going to put their hand out first? Don't worry. I'll assert myself. Don't worry. <laughs> um, it is. It, yeah, it's wild to think about, you know, when you go to like conferences and you hear like salespeople talking about it, they're always like, how big a deal does it have to be for me to like hop on a plane and go like press the flesh? It really is mm-hmm. like a way of, you know, accelerating the accelerating like the trust building, like solidifying the relationship. And it is interesting to think about, you know, without having that as a tactic. Um, yeah, you really do have to lean heavily onto, well, definitely onto video, because to your point, you know, what else is there? Well, for sure. It's like you think about, I don't know the percentages, how how much of communication is nonverbal. But if you go from in-person to video call, it goes down a bit. Yeah. You go from a video call to, to say, a phone call, right? So the more you've got, the better, basically. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How has coronavirus changed your approach to prospecting or, you know, how should SDRs or BDRs or other sales professionals be adopting their approach? Especially, you know, I feel like especially there was there was lots of tips that came out kind of immediately of like, holy heck, how are we going to prospect or should we even prospect when, you know, people were kind of thinking of it as a short term shock thing. Now it's like, yeah. you know, we're already kind of two months or so into it here in like North America anyway, like. How are you, yeah, how are you thinking through kind of how this changes your prospecting approach or, um, you know, how should other people be thinking about it, I think? I mean, it's a good question because you're right, a lot of a lot of stuff came out probably a good six to eight weeks ago into yeah. this whole thing, right? Starting with uh, everyone's talking about empathy, right? Leading with empathy. So I think that's just like, a, at this point, should go without saying, you know, it's definitely something worth talking about, but something that I think you could also overdo overdo empathy no but overdo thinking about thinking about how you approach everybody with the same thing like just being sincere across the board mm. i think is a norm a normal thing yeah i don't know i don't know if it changes anything now you know? that's yeah that's actually really i like that a lot actually because yeah something about all of the empathy stuff kind of rubbed me the wrong way of like guys empathy should have been kind of a table stakes thing to begin with we, like for whatever reason it's not but since a lack of sincerity is definitely you know like you don't need to really be calling out coronavirus especially like specifically in your you know you know first touch point but you know yeah some sort of some sort of like re-emphasizing of sincerity or taking a you know 
taking yeah. a, an approach where you're really putting the, the the prospect first and like you know being considerate of their time and so forth. I think is for sure pretty on pretty on the money. I'm exactly with you there. I think that uh, I think this kind of leads into the idea of tailoring your message, you know, and yeah. uh, and also depending on because to answer this myself, how has it changed my approach? Well, I also just happen to have gone through uh, changing companies, and so because of that, the segment I'm selling into now versus the segment I was selling into beforehand is a little bit different. I think it depends a little bit on the nuance of your. Um, you know, what role you have in what segment. So if you're doing a lot of volume, maybe you're BDR and SDR, uh, are you calling into an average size company, let's say mid-market or SMB company, perhaps you're calling into larger enterprise company and you're BDR for an enterprise account executive with a list of named accounts. And so you're like hyper-tailoring your messaging versus targeting, right? So we have this concept You've heard of before. We're talking about Morgan Ingram, so he talks about this as well. Uh, basically, on one end, you have these three levels, right? To your messaging, on one end, we have templating. So general, you know, it could be spam, could be good, could be not good. It's general language. Yep. On the other end, you have like hyper customized, tailored. And you've researched something. You've looked on Crunchbase. You've, uh, you know, checked up their company news, and. Uh, yeah, you have a hyper-tailored message to somebody, whereas... You've put a part of my LinkedIn profile in the subject line of the email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In between that and in the middle, you have that kind of targeted approach. And so I think that if you can target your messaging in general, and then if you can target something that happens to land, you know, some common value prop you have that actually is relevant to this pandemic, then sure, use that, you know? Right. Yeah, so maybe that's like that is a good kind of segue into my next question, which is more about the tailoring of your messaging and like uh, maybe have thoughts around you know like how far like I feel like something sometimes things come off as like a stretch if you're really you know maybe there's no real tie into to COVID and you really shouldn't be like trying to tailor it um, or like saying things aren't that aren't true you know if there's no strong value pop prop related to coronavirus. Is it better to stick with kind of your usual benefits and maybe like, you know, just talk about them in slightly different terms? Or I guess now people are thinking a little bit more about kind of the economic impacts and, you know, lots of companies more gearing gearing up for uh, like the recession. So maybe it is more about, you know, uh, maybe it's more about hard costs, savings instead of supporting revenue growth, for instance. Like, is that sure. is that? Yeah. What, do you, what are your thoughts here on kind of like? you know, the extent to which you should be changing up your messaging. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a good example, right? I feel like if if what you provide, especially like survival, so there's one goal, right? right. If you were to change right. to, uh, you know, saving costs, for example, versus some other type of, um, some other advantageous benefit, right? Um, yeah. I think you're already kind of onto something. I, I don't, it comes to, like, who are the people that are stretching their messaging too far? I've seen some stuff that stands out to me a little bit, a little funky, but have you seen this? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I don't get like, I don't get a ton of prospecting any anyway. So maybe, maybe, maybe not like some of the, I guess just lots of the corporate messaging. Maybe that, that's not really stretching of, 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 uh, that their message. Yeah. Maybe that's not too far of a stretch, but maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe to your point about sincerity, maybe some things just come across as, you know, not really. They're not just not really in the yeah. strike zone, if you ask me, you know? 
For sure, yeah. I uh, I don't doubt that they exist, yeah. but yeah, I would love to see some great examples of that. Maybe not, but uh, yeah, I think for me, the idea of tailoring here and, and not seeing something that's true. Uh, people have a tendency to think that empathy sometimes means assuming that others experience the same things as you. So I just kind of back to that topic. If you're if you're making a stretch here, I can imagine, or I've I've heard of, or I've heard grumblings of. Uh, in fact, I've seen some emails out there that are just totally uh, off color and, and not sensitive for the time we're in right now. I think yeah. that that could just be sometimes people guessing what other people's lives are like. You don't know. You know, if you live in, I don't know, if you're in an essential service right now, maybe you're in trucking you're in Dallas, Texas, and you work in the warehouse, you could be working from home remotely. You could be working with PPE on the front lines, like in person every single day. You just don't know, right? In a lot of cases. So pretending to know what it's like to be somebody else with a, a child at home as they work remotely is... Anyways, mm. I guess the point is great to relate, but um, you actually don't know. People could be having a pretty decent time. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That's Yeah, that's really interesting because that's definitely... Yeah, that's like someone getting the notion of empathy and then kind of twisting it in the like the wrong sort of way where you're actually being really presumptuous about. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that, I think that's a really good um that's a really good insight actually. Cuz uh, yeah, it's very yeah, it's easy. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, just if you're I think to add to that, if you're both naturally have a sense of empathy or you're you're trying to, right? Let's say we're we're trying to uh, connect with people and do everything we can at this time. And you're a very curious person. I think that'll help you avoid that kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that, that that's true. Yeah, just the like, yeah, people get the wrong wrong notion. I think, yeah, the sincerity thing again and, and the curiosity thing of, yeah, maybe instead of assuming what it must be like, you should really just be, yeah, more, more curious or more open-ended about... Um, yeah, wanting to know what yeah. it's like, um, and maybe that maybe get closer to to like, then then you know making people feel you know heard or feel seen or like the sorts of things that you really want to come out of you know taking a more empathetic driven approach. Um, yeah, maybe maybe being more curious about it is is kind of the way into the kind of connection that you're looking to make. Yes, and I suppose that's more of just a, a habit or a trait, right? I don't know how much of that can be taught, but if it's something you could cultivate, you know, if I could be a little bit more curious, then maybe that'll show itself. And like, it'll show itself in interesting ways too, in a conversation. I find now you're able to, especially with video, just talk to people and connect almost in a more direct manner in a way that uh, maybe on average would have been harder to do with so many people. Yeah, totally. And there's and there's like an extent to which, to your point about you know knowing what 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 the person's doing and what the industry is. Now I find there's a little bit more context in terms of you know you you don't want to assume exactly how it's playing out in this person's life, but you do might you might have like a sense in which it is, and then that like allows you to kind of like that's like half that's like half the sentence is you know hey you might be dealing with this, and then you and then you like pivot to a more like question approach of like instead of just assuming and you know instead of trying to come across empathetic and that's more like the sympathy version of like hey you must be going through this and it really sucks is like yeah. the wrong version of it it's more like hey you might be doing like you might be dealing with this and you know i, I would imagine that would like you know tell me about how much that sucks it's like sort of thing where you're like 
yeah. you know, you, you are assuming something or you are like, you're, you're trying to use the context to, um, you know, to, to tailor or to personalize your message. But then, yeah, you just like, don't take it too far or like you don't assume, you know, to know it, know something that you don't. Right, right. Yeah, you don't know if this is an issue for them, but maybe you relating to them could be, hey, I speak with people at companies just like yours and they tell me, you know, every day and they tell me, this really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes so, sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, I don't know how all the empathy, it, it seems like every sales blog you go to has a blog post about selling with empathy all of a sudden, which... You know, more to me, more to me is is interesting because it kind of like to me. I'd rather instead of just you know telling reps to be more empathetic. Um, my question more is like, why wasn't an empath? Why why wasn't an empathy driven before? And mm. you know, some, sometimes maybe like salespeople are in a situation where you know they have a quota to hit. Their sales manager is like down their throat of like, why aren't you hitting your number? They're worried about not hitting their number. Clearly, it's harder to hit their number. And you know. Empathy is kind of like the furthest thing from your mind. Um, so like sometimes I feel like it gets a little bit twisted of, you know, it's not as simple as, you know, just mm. be right. Right. I don't Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. So two things there. Right. So one would be if we're thinking about the pressures that will probably be increasing on everybody to close, obviously, mm. uh, as well as how do you continue to almost like how do you create a sense of urgency in that environment? And so I think the short answer for that for me is um, super short answer is you don't. (laughs) What does that mean? That sounds bad. No, you don't create urgency. You uncover urgency. So if there was something that was important to them or potentially important to them, it's on us to find out what that is and to help them, uh, you know, basically help them to see a potential future with the future that you have, the solution that you have perhaps. Uh, to get them there. And so along the way, I don't think much has really changed in the environment. Sometimes there will be even more urgency on their end as well that you could kind of leverage. Right. Your own life, you know, your own urgency, I would say. A, we've seen that already. That's possible. Especially if there's something that you provide that uh, is a benefit to those in this kind of new setup. Maybe there's a value prop for working from home. Maybe there's been, you know, some value for um, social distancing, perhaps, um, that your product can support, or communications, perhaps, uh, but not coming across tone deaf and pushy. So we have this kind of dichotomy where everyone knows what it's like to, you know, we have a number that we have that we carry and we have to hit, and then when there's pressure from a sales sense, I mean, sounding tone deaf and pushy that just shouldn't come across at any point. Sometimes you got to push, sometimes you got to be direct, and that's really a matter of having a conversation with, with humans. I don't think this, you know, feeling any more particular pressure for a specific reason is going to do anything. Um, you know, it might kind of separate the grown-ups from the kids a little bit, I would say, in terms of getting through these conversations and not becoming bad sales folks. But like anything, there are probably more salespeople in the game that, than there need to be. So hmm. be a little bit of kind of kind of organize itself a little bit is the way I think about it. Interesting. Yeah. So you're yeah. you're pretty firmly in the, you know, discover the urgency or uncover the urgency. It's not about, you know, you, there's no version of it where you create a false sense of it. Um that makes it that no. yeah, I've, I've I've seen that. Not a false sense. You can line up behind it. You can do things. There are tactics to get people perhaps to move faster. 
but often those things fall on their face. Like it's a dirty word. We're on a sales podcast now. Dirt, oh, a discounting D- didn't even come out right. Like I didn't even know how to say it. <laughs> we all know what it is, and we've all done it. So right, and so there's obviously that. But you gotta line it up to knowledge, like knowing what you're talking about, knowing what matters to them. Um, you know. So, and of course not. Um, I think companies right now are trying to do everything they can as well to to make a deal happen. So, I mean, that's that's the other side of things, right? But there's not a lot we can talk about here that I think that's that's relevant. That's just a very transactional, kind of an obvious thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that yeah. that that makes sense. Maybe I'm pushing at it too hard. I just know, I just know. On one hand, you hear people say, you know, lead with empathy, don't be transactional, think long term. And then on the other hand, you clearly come across like this pushy version of it. So like, so, like that's still so rampant or like, it's still so yeah. out there. And so like, there's clearly reasons why. And like, you know, I feel like lots of salespeople would often find themselves in a situation where like they, they themselves aren't super comfortable with like what they're really being asked to do. And they're like, not mm. sure about, like, it really is hard to get all your ducks in a row. So like, it seems like you're saying it'd be bet It's better if you really do have faith in what you're doing you're really sincere about it. If you're driving like urgency, it's because you think it's urgent. So like that's not going to come across as tone deaf or pushy. That's going to come across as being eager to, you know, get this person where they need to be in like in, in their career or at their company or like really doing right by them. And then when it's coming from a good place, it's going to be more likely to not, you know, land in this terrible tone deaf, you know, version of things. Um, all right. So I know even before all this started, you were a big proponent of using video in your sales reach, like sales outreach. You're a Vidyard guy yeah. or, a, you know, you're always, you're always pushing the video game. Um, so with the move to remote, there's a lot less handshaking, as we've alluded to, a lot more video introductions taking place right now. Two questions here would be one, what are sort of your best tips for making good videos and, you know, getting comfortable with it? I feel like a lot of people are just starting to go through the motions here and it can be kind of awkward so one kind of talk to me about practical what's your best tip for seeming like a a natural on video and then two any thoughts you might have around best tactics or kind of ways to incorporate them into your sales cadence or or sales process more generally i guess yeah yeah so it's funny we're talking about video we're doing audio here right where's your video (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you questions about video so tips on making good video and building them into a sales cadence. Okay, so making. Super easy. Keep it casual and conversational and really get comfortable with imperfection. So after your first several videos and first few edits, you know, people find themselves retaking the perfect message as if it has to be scripted or something. Let's say if you find yourself after doing a few videos, you find yourself doing more than one take per, then you're you're overthinking it. It really just needs to be. What is something that I would have left on a voicemail with this person anyways? Not that you're going to, for example, right? You only have that one chance. Not that it's the same message uh, that you would leave in a voicemail. Um, And then just make it natural. Make it, your tone comes out, your face shows up, and you're, you know, maybe there are a bunch of different things people can do that you may have seen for personalization. So if you're doing a hyper-personalized type of outreach, you might... I don't know, maybe they like the Falcons and you like the Falcons. And I just so happen to have a Falcons mug right here. <laughs> yeah. Show up in my video. This guy loves yeah. the Falcons. 
<laughs> or maybe you, I don't know. You write the name on a whiteboard. You've seen all that stuff out there, but it's really just about keeping it fun, light, quick, and you can actually get these things out pretty uh, pretty quickly too. If you were doing an outbound cadence, let's say if you happen to be doing prospecting, and perhaps you're reaching out to I don't know 30 contacts over two weeks, and combining I don't know maybe there's like eight calls and maybe there's three weeks. Okay, maybe there's, there are eight calls and there are. Uh, four or five emails built into that and a video plopped in between. Maybe you drop that video in the middle of the email cadence. Maybe you uh, put it on social, like, so you send it to them by LinkedIn. Um, so building it into the cadence, you could use a video, something I've done before. Use it within that. So after you've called them a few times, after you have maybe two or three emails, uh, typically, what's you should know this more than I, what's the most likely email to get opened? I heard it's like the third or fourth email these days. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a subscriber. I'm not a subscriber. My, my, yeah, I'm very off the cadence thing, to be honest with you. Like, I get that you need a bunch for like really busy decision makers, but if your yeah. first email isn't good, like if it's not personalized, then you're not in the game, if you ask me. Like, my, Ooh. my, when, when I do my, when I do my, like if I, do, if I'm doing outreach to people, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to bat 80% open like 50% reply, like I get, and I'm not really doing it in the same exact context. Lots of times, like I'm doing hyper-personalized, hyper-targeted type stuff, but that's like, to me, the only way, that's the only way you play the game these days. If you ask me, like I would never respond to a cadence that didn't, that didn't mention my name, my role, my specific, like if you haven't done any of the personalization work, I'm not, you don't get, you don't get the time of day for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds tailored. You only open tailored emails? Yeah. 100 yeah. percent Or like LinkedIn only messages. Way. I know I know it's yeah. not the only way. That's like a hard that's a hard line type type of stance, but yeah. again, to me, like if it's gonna come across as auto like something that you've autom- like if you're gonna send an email that re- reach out to like a thousand other people, unless it's like unless it's like some version of like a survey that you're doing, and even then, like I don't know, you're gonna see bad results. Like I get why the messaging matters to you so much, and and I get that. For me, I can relate. I'm thinking about my previous role, uh, so selling into enterprise companies, and I was like not doing any outbound, uh, other than hyper tailored type of yeah. targeted type of type of thing, right? So reach out to someone uh, on LinkedIn, an email, and it just multi-thread everybody, just you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate to what you're saying, but yeah, we're still running cadences on a certain profile of company, and that's not just given the markets that many people are selling into. It's not totally doable. But uh, yeah, that's ideal. So thinking about building, I guess back to the video thing, building it into video cadence, uh, I was asking what, which email is the most likely to get opened. Uh, the way that I typically build uh, an email cadence is rather than dumping it, well, rather than, this isn't the standard, but we've all seen the horrible email with a bunch of content and a bunch of links and it's just no one's gonna open it. Like the worst yeah. example of a, of a sales email. Yeah. So, Whatever cool or interesting or perhaps uh, targeted at their role stuff you have to share, you basically are telling a story uh, between their missed calls until you speak to a human and the social outreach and the emails, let's say. Um, It's really by the fourth or fifth uh, email, perhaps the second, third email, they're going to open it up. Uh, And so that's save your best content till then. So whatever the most personalized message or perhaps the, the actual a white paper, whatever it is that you were referring to, or even your video. 
could be dropped into that same reply, like that same email chain, third or fourth. Um, that's typically where I would put it, just kind of see what the open rates were like a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one idea. And then that's really an opening, right? It could also be used in, uh, I've used it more effectively, almost closing. So right before closing, if you need to, let's say we use video on a closing call, for example. So rather than call someone to go over uh, an agreement or a contract together before they you know, execute something yep. or before someone wants to make a big jump, um, you do that by video. If someone's going to miss it, you send them a recording. You, know, you can see when they've opened that. Um, that really helps. It's just a way to provide more clarity when you're walking through something very detailed that uh, there's room for interpretation and room for people to slow down on. And if you can't get everyone in the room, um, again, you need the right people in the room. But if you can't, then, yeah, using video or recording is another great way to do that. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite version of it is a is like a, you know, it's like a rapport building thing after you've done a call, getting a, a video with like. Cut, that kind of runs down it has like a next steps or as like a recap like sort of sort of thing i like i like that version of it personally like yeah oft, often watch it and it does does really like solidify things in a nice nice sort of way yeah for sure yeah just so, and yeah no the video tips are great too man like i know there's a ton of lists of like sure make sure you have it at the right eye level and make sure you're you know not back like there's like lots of like kind of obvious other um, yeah. other video People tips but about, yeah yeah i like People your yeah i like your you know the i like your whiteboard tactics and uh yeah the notion of like keeping it keeping it if you're doing more than one take then you're probably overdoing it that makes a ton of sense to me i feel like yeah. probably a lot of people are still in the overdoing it phase yeah yeah i got you because you you would just you know you're, you're thinking of it like a you know, you just compare it to a produced video or what, or what, you know, you're, you're comparing it to something that's clearly supposed to be way more polished. And it's just like, that's not really what we're doing here. That's the benchmark. It's just really a psychological impediment. Yeah. Just send the video. People are probably like, oh, cool. I want to use video next time. It's usually <laughs> the most common response I've seen. You know, right. this, this will be an easier way for me to give my product update internally or whatever it is. Yeah. Interesting. All right, maybe a, a weird place to to wrap up, but let's talk about remote onboarding. I know you've kind of recently done, um, you know, a remote onboard. You're clearly working for a company right now that you didn't uh, didn't like go to the office and and onboard. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully, some sales folks are getting onboarded right now <laughs> remotely. Maybe that's not a good. Fit. Like maybe maybe hopefully we don't yeah, have yeah. to really be great at, at remote onboarding indefinitely. But yeah, it's the it's the new thing is like a remote onboard. Talk to me about uh, maybe your own like experience to the extent you want to, or and or just you know maybe maybe any any insights you have at all about kind of making a smooth onboarding process or you know making a good first impression. You know, don't have the kind of natural like n- knocking into people at the office serendipity sort of stuff yeah how do you how do you overcome the you know the new guy but he's not even the new guy he's just you know we have a new yeah, sales guy I, I, but i've never seen him you know <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a good point ah uh, geez full disclosure so i'm onboarding at a company where i used to work right so this is my second time back so it's like, the patented Jeff move. True, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's clearly not the same as going somewhere and meeting a whole bunch of strangers. Sure, you know, sure. and making friends. So, I don't know. In this case, I again, I know the company, but I would say for any onboarding, uh, and this is true anywhere, 
get to know everybody, obviously, some standard stuff. Get to know a few people outside of your own comfort zone in other departments, in areas where, or perhaps, um, you know, just A, to get to know people. Obviously, that's, if you're nice, you're nice. But you can get, make some friends in other departments. You may actually need them at some point. And, um, and they could use you as well, right? So making friends for me across any company where I typically find, you know, on average sales folks may have friends across the business, but I'll have a few more across the business. And that's always been helpful. Um, I'll just speak to that because, you know, there are a lot of people in underappreciated perhaps roles or, or feel that way at least. And, um, you know, you're going to have touch points and be working with each other anyways. Why not kind of get ahead of that? Get to know people, you know? Yeah. So you... tech and yeah, and just use that to your advantage and to, I guess, to everyone's advantage, really. So you lined up some like phone calls or video calls with, you know, people in solutions or customer success or product or that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And even support. Like I would do support, video yeah. coffee. Video. There we go. VChat. Put video coffee in. Uh, new, a few new, uh, few new colleagues emails every every week, and uh, strangers as well, just people from like the community that I'm within. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Was there any? Uh, was there any, any anything around like I don't know, maybe working with with other AEs? I know lots of times it's kind of like let's hop in a room and we'll sh- I'll shadow you on calls and that sort of thing. Was that yeah. like that harder to harder to set up or? It is. Uh, I guess is it would be if you don't really know if you don't if you know the folks. Um, to that point, I've been doing that. You can make a remote call blitz, for example. I was just jumping on somebody's phone calls and we were dialing out together. Yeah, we were able to make that happen. It was actually pretty cool. Nice. So you like so you would so you set up a, like a video chat thing and then could overhear like and then they called on a separate line. Like, hey, what are they? Yeah, what are they exactly. To that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like set up Slack or MS Teams or whatever you've got going on one side. Yep. Uh, I'll say on the computer, and then I'm mirroring her screen uh, so that I can see my colleague's screen. Yeah. I'll share my screen with her sometimes, uh, and then just make some dials on the phone, uh, so they can just mute the computer. They can hear you uh, calling people on the phone just like you're in a regular call blitz or like you're in a room. Yeah, interesting. So shad- shadowing could still happen. It's not the not as natural. Uh, so. Be out there. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not yeah. rocket science stuff. It's I know it's just it's just yeah. so new. So like, of course, yeah, yeah. No, that makes, no, that makes there, sense. There's a lot. There's a lot that gets kind of missed. A lot through the cracks in a team when you see all the conversations going on, not only in your department but around your department, right? Yeah. Perhaps if you're in the software space, perhaps you have like enterprise software. You might have a solutions team, or you know, solution architecture team, or pre-sales, or whatever may be called in your company. Uh, and they're the busiest people, and yet staying around them, hearing other folks talk in sales, especially uh, with them about projects or about uh, about your product, really, um, that is so valuable. So finding some kind of a way to bridge that gap or be conscious of if you're not hearing these folks talk a lot, uh, you probably would be doing yourself your favor to get to know these folks pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Just that I feel like there is so there is something about the mindset here too of. Like, I feel like lots of times when this first started, people had kind of a like hold your breath mentality of like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll just wait until it gets back to normal. And it's like, that doesn't really seem like the, it's just like clearly has, I feel like it's now proving itself to be the wrong approach of like, you really need to be proactive and figure out how you pivot and how you 
again, if you if you know that these things aren't going to happen for the foreseeable future, like the the you know the natural type stuff, like yeah, you got to fig- you got to figure out how to do remote shadowing. Like you got to figure out how to connect yeah. with the solutions. Like you really do have to. Maybe it's not exactly the same, but you really do need to be like pivoting hard into like the video, the more collaborative online version of things, um, or you're going to get like left in a, in a bad spot, I think. Yeah. Video is like the minimum internally as well, like the minimum. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I would say, yeah, getting in that funny spot really keep mentioning it won't seem like a problem. It'll seem normal, but you might find yourself. Here's the thing. What I've found across everywhere I've ever worked again in the software world is, of course, it's always about selling value. You want to learn who you're selling to, what kind of problems they have that you know you can solve. And obviously, right, this is just kind of the obvious. Uh, so actually getting to know your product and not just the problems it solves, not just the folks that you're going to be selling to and solving problems for, but actually getting to know your product is kind of like a dirty, undervalued, almost like a dirty word for some in sales enablement, I found. And yet the people that can that sell the most know their product they actually not just know how it works or how to do really good demos but they've kind of become obsessed with it try to break it uh so that's just general onboarding advice if you happen to be in b2b software sales yeah get to know the problems you're solving get to know the people you know your ideal customer profile and uh you know but get to yeah. the product as well no that's what that yeah that's a, like a great i think that's a great kind of throwback to the beginning of being like sincere about it i feel like you know lots of people just well, I'll just learn the talking points and I'll, you know, and then I'll just do the sales thing. And that's not really, that's not really like the approach I think that you're taking at all here. Like, it's more like, no, figure out what you're really doing. Like, figure out what, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're not in product, so you don't need to be, you know, the same level obsession about, you know, solving the problem. But that really does need to be at the core of what you're doing is like, like yeah. it can't just be paying lip service to the tactics. Like it can't be paying lip service to empathy or you're going to get it wrong. Like, or it can't be paying lip service yeah. like to, you know, tailoring your message. Like you're going to like, if you don't do it in a sincere way, like if it's not about, you know, you being curious and you really caring, like if you're not being sincere about it, then you're like, you know, almost, almost all of it's immaterial. If you're not, if you're not starting in that place. You could be really, really good at what you do and not care, I guess. I just haven't really seen it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my parting question for every guest is, what's one thing you wish you had paid closer attention to earlier in life? Oh, gosh. This is a great question. I think from just kind of the first thing that comes to mind Hit me. is I wish I had paid attention, closer attention to the nature of my own mind or my own conscious experience a little bit earlier on in my life. So, uh, I have found meditation to be extremely helpful over the last two or three years. Yeah. Uh, and so just being aware, just more self-aware of my mindset, not only in, in the moment, but even overall or, or over a period of time. Uh, it's just been really valu- valuable for me as a person in general. And I would say bringing that into my professional life as well. Uh, being more self-aware, I would guess it's self-aware in the context of business, of how you're acting, what you're saying, what you're doing, perhaps. Perhaps what it would be like to be someone else uh, experiencing speaking with you in the moment. Anyways, just a few ideas that I'm thinking about here, but that's something I value a lot more. Yeah. I feel like you're talking about waking up. Like, 
there are people who go through life and they don't ever they don't ever think about or they don't ever like come to think about they're always just the main character in their life and they never they never like reach those levels of actually realizing that you can be the director or the script writer or right you don't have to be identify with your thoughts and identify with your like you don't have yeah. to always be like like you really can create that sort of like the meditation stuff always helps for me for creating that distance so that you're able to yeah. you know better respond and you can you you know come to come to again as you're saying with the nature of your own mind you can come to let thoughts go and not have that same sort of like grip on for sure yeah maybe yeah is yeah is there anything else that you've kind of read or other ways that people maybe you know, for someone who that isn't resonating with how how might how might they you know go about kind of uh you know, becoming more aware of their own mind. That's a weird way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, good question. Like, this is this is a huge topic, right? You can just walk into any bookstore or self-help and just find mindfulness. It's like, this, it's this pop topic de jour, right? So there's just so much good content out there. And, you know, even the basic mindfulness for work, like general, general mindfulness content, I would say, or hmm. general basic uh, mindfulness meditation or Vipassana meditation. It's the most common uh, tradition it, it takes from. Anything from there is probably not hurting, you know? Although, that could be all hipster about it and say, oh, it's so so basic. <laughs> it's just like Mick, Mick mindfulness, right? <laughs> Mick, 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 Mick mindfulness is amazing. <laughs> This is where it goes off the rails. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, this has been this has been great. Uh, yeah, I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time in. I feel like you crushed it. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you asking me. Thanks again to Jeff Bielman for taking the time. If you want to hear more from Jeff, look him up on LinkedIn. And while I have you, let me tell you about a new project I have on the go called Remote Dials. RemoteDials.co is a job boarding community for sales pros looking to level up their game and find their next gig. The 411 is our weekly newsletter that helps salespeople close deals and make piles regardless of miles. If you're in the tech sales game, go check out the board, subscribe to the 411, and get in the know already. It's where you want to be. 